and Tyler. I'm a physical therapist. And I'm a nutrition and fitness coach. We are husband and wife, parents, and business owners. And we are passionate about improving our health, relationships, and mindset and helping others do the same. Through trial and error, we have found that most of these things have simple solutions. But that doesn't mean those solutions are easy to implement. Each week, we sit down to have a conversation with the hope that you can take something from it to improve your own life, no matter what your goals are or what you're going through. We are so glad you're here. Now let's get started. Hey guys, just wanted to let you know that this week's episode picks up from where we left off last week. Last week, we were talking more about diets and things like that that we've tried that either maybe weren't so successful or things that we probably wouldn't recommend to most people. This week's conversation picks up. Uh, starting to talk about things that we've tried a little bit more in recent years and things that I would say lend themselves to maybe having some value of really looking into and trying for yourself. So it picks up in the middle of the conversation, but hope you guys enjoy. Um, so you did isogenics and then I would say we both, man, this must've been when we were in Monterey. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we both got into paleo for a while, mm-hmm. um, and I don't, I don't know, did we eat strict paleo for like an extended period of time? I know there was a pretty good chunk of time where we were doing like kind of that 80-20 or like weekdays or paleo weekends, not necessarily. Did I we f- ever yeah, do like... I, I feel like we just did, mo- I don't know if we ever did full-on paleo like a hundred percent. I think we just kind of said, Hey, we're going to do this Monday through Friday. And on the weekends we still ate pretty good, but we would like not. um, Okay. Yeah. I I don't, I don't specifically remember personally doing paleo. I think we said we ate paleo ish. Yeah. But I I would say we would go weeks eating strict paleo Monday through Friday lunch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so paleo for people who don't know is basically the concept is you're just eating foods that were, available to caveman people essentially that's where Mm -hmm. the the name comes from so you're talking about anything that comes from like animal products anything that comes from the ground so like fruits veggies meat um all those kinds of things you're not really eating processed food i mean i'm i know now they'll like take all paleo ingredients and then Mm, yeah package them into paleo snacks and things like that um i i would not personally consider that true paleo no and i think we have we're gonna do a whole podcast on why you shouldn't um eat like paleo keto treats and stuff um yeah but because that's a whole different topic but yeah um but now we're starting to get into some of the stuff that i actually think is starting to scratch the surface of things that are very beneficial um i think paleo is personally a really really healthy way to eat Mm -hmm. like honestly it's it's to me you're starting to get really close to like okay if i just isolated social factors environmental factors like i just didn't have friends to go out to eat with didn't have anything blah blah blah, and i just wanted to like eat as healthy as i could something along the lines of paleo is going to be pretty dang good for you um it is super hard to get in like states of real excess calories when you're eating things like chicken and vegetables and fruits like your stomach fills up before you can eat excessive excessive amounts of calories like how long does it take your stomach to fill up drinking coca-cola like Mm -hmm. takes a while and you just crushed hundreds and hundreds of calories versus like hundreds and hundreds of calories of like chicken and apples and broccoli and those types of things is a lot of food yeah um 
I would say one of the biggest reasons we never did full paleo is just because it, it, it's tough in, in today's environment, society. If you really want to put yourself through that to maximize your health, go for it. Um, but it is, it's not easy. You're going to be saying no to a lot of social things. Like you're not going to be drinking alcohol and paleo. Mm -hmm. You're not like if you're really being strict, strict. Well, and that's why we leaned more towards the paleo ish is because I think when we were doing this, we were more, you know, we're getting more into the, we want to eat healthy, but we don't want to be super restrictive because you know, when you're, if you're all or nothing about your diet, you know, it's just, it's not a good place to be mentally. You know, so if you never let yourself have ice cream or an Oreo or a beer, if you want it, you know, it's just, it just is not healthy in my mm-hmm. opinion. Yeah. And I would say doing it kind of throughout the week and then not strict paleo on the weekends was sustainable for pretty, like we were not feeling like we were dying to have this or that, or like we were really lacking a bunch. But the other thing I will say is to eat like that, if you have at all a busy pace of life if you're talking about um even without kids like if you're both just like or or even if if you're just by yourself like if you're working full-time or you have a partner and they're also working and you guys are busy like you have i'm i'm a believer that you have to prep some level of food like you have to make it accessible you have to make it easy to grab you have to make it easy to eat because otherwise throughout the week you're going to reach for stuff that's easy and Mm -hmm. and let's be honest um, is probably more sugary and tasty mm-hmm. than some just eating paleo. I would say in general, we try to eat something I mean, not as nearly as I would say um, strict about it as we were before, but we're still of the belief that paleo ish is, yeah, you know, I mean, when we do meal prep, it's meat, veggies, potatoes, you for know? The, yeah, for the most part, that's basically what we're making, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, whole 30. Yeah, so we're again, we're in a very similar place to paleo here. I don't know if you want to talk about it. This is definitely something that you you did before I ever did, and then mm-hmm. we did one together. We did one together, yeah. Whole30, um, the intention is for it to be an elimination diet. So, you know, you are, it's, it's a, a lot more restrictive than paleo because there's, you know, certain things that you can't have that, you know, legumes, for example. So even something you... Which means like peanuts. Yeah. Or corn or beans. Beans. Yeah. Basically. So um, if that's something, if you would normally eat beans to get proteins, like you can't do that or, you know, corn. Um, Or certain oils. Certain oils are not allowed. Certain oils are not allowed. No vegetable oil. No no sunflower oil. Is that right or no? I can't remember. And there have been some changes to it since we did it. Um, Yeah. But so essentially... No legumes, no alcohol, no dairy, no sugar. So no added sugar. So you can have fruit and stuff like that. But, you know, nothing with added sugar. Again, it really cuts out a lot of that processed food. Yeah. So if you go to the store and you'd be, I mean, you, you're you looking down the grocery aisle and you pick up a lot of things that are, especially if you're not shopping the perimeters. So if you're not in the produce section, you're not in the meat section, um, a lot of those middle shelves, you'll run by stuff that's like, oh, this is like a salty snack or whatever. And then, oh added sugar it's like okay this didn't even taste this isn't even something that's sweet but like right everything has added sugar it's crazy yeah and that was the interesting thing about doing that for me the first time was 
just the learning experience of learning how many things I was consuming on a daily basis that added had added sugar that I didn't even realize. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if I'm having chicken for dinner and I'm, you know, having barbecue sauce or if I put ketchup on, you know, something, I didn't realize that like ketchup has added sugar, which to me, ketchup is not something that tastes sweet. I think at the time I thought, well, things that have added sugar are like sweet things, you know, treats and candy, but really there are so many things. I mean, it's hard to find stuff that doesn't have added sugar, really. Even things like um, you go, okay, I'm looking for like a healthy-ish kind of treat. I'm going to get some dried fruit. Mm-hmm. A lot of those fruits, which are already really sweet, like the easiest example is if you've ever had like dried mango, that is a very sweet, like if you, literally the only ingredient, dried mango. You take a mango, you dry it out. That's a very sweet food. Most dried mango packages will add sugar on top of that. Exactly. Because it makes it taste better, which I get because it's got more sugar. But so anyways, that was a good learning experience. Um, But the whole idea with the elimination diet is that not necessarily for weight loss. People do use it for weight loss. And obviously, if you're cutting out all that stuff, you probably are going to lose weight, even though there's no restrictions on quantity. You know, Mm -hmm. you you should be able to eat as much as you want as, you know, to satiety. Yeah, totally. But, you know, you're supposed to add things back in incrementally after you're done. So it's 30 days. And then you say, hey, you know, I really miss having beans. And then you add that back in your diet and you kind of assess, you know, do I still feel good? You know, am I, do I still feel like I have a lot of energy? Am I noticing any inflammation? Did I break out? Um, And then you kind of- Digestive issues. Digestive issues. And you can kind of do that with each food group. So like dairy or for me, when I did it, and I think the next day we were going on some- like Labor Day trip with our friends. I think we went up to Tahoe. To Tahoe. Yeah. And it was literally the next day. So the first day that I was off of Whole30 and I hadn't had alcohol and then we went and I had some white wine. Mm -hmm. As soon as I had like probably half the glass of white wine, my face just totally got super flushed. Just bright red. Bright red. Like it was almost like I was having an allergic reaction to it, which was really interesting. And now I don't really drink white wine because I'm like, I just think that doesn't, sit well with my body Um, i was about to say coming out of that you didn't seem to have as strong of a reaction to red wine uh -uh. yeah or like other other alcohols that i have noticed yeah um but so it's just a good way especially i think if you don't know if you're in a constant state of feeling maybe low energy or inflammation and stuff and it could be like it really could be something in your diet but it's hard to nail down what that thing is unless you kind of take things out and put them back in incrementally. And and I would say that a lot of people don't even realize that they're even in that state. They just think this is normal. This is life. This is how, how like, this is just me. This is just how I feel and don't even realize that they could feel 10 times better on a regular basis. Yeah. And if that's you, I mean, we just want you to know it's not normal to sleep eight or nine hours at night and then still feel tired by 2 PM. It's not normal to, not have regular digestion. It's not normal to, you know, have inflammation causing like rashes and stuff on your body. Like none of that stuff is the norm. And, you know, of course there's medications and things I'm sure doctors will give Mm -hmm. you to (laughs) help with that stuff, but there could be a simpler answer. It could just be something in your diet, you know, not, not guaranteed, but could be, but just to wrap whole 30 up, it should be something that's done for, 30 days Mm -hmm. and that's it. It shouldn't be a lifestyle, you know, because again, it's, it is restrictive. So I think 
you know, learning how to put those things back in your diet and eat the things that you want to be able to eat when you want to eat them. You shouldn't be on a whole 30 like all year. It's just, you know, you want to learn how to eat balanced so that you can still enjoy yourself, you know? All right, what's next? Um, so I think that leads perfectly into something else we've done, which is kind of the opposite, I would say, of a whole 30, so to speak. Hmm. Because a whole 30, the whole concept is you're trying to eliminate everything, figure out how your body reacts to all these different things that you eat. Another thing we've done is um, from a, is she a dietitian? Yep. She's a dietitian, E.C. Sinkowski, is yeah. that right? Yeah, we can put a link to her instagram in the show notes but she is someone i love getting nutrition information from she's very smart yeah so anyways she has what she calls the 800 gram challenge and basically what the 800 gram challenge is is that you eat 800 grams of fruit and veggies a day um there's some research out there that as far as like health and longevity and some of those biomarkers that you get a lot of benefit from getting to 600 grams of fruit and veggies a day uh and then you get even more by getting to 800. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things I would say that, and, and again, I, I think that because it's so simple, the only rule is that you're trying to eat a certain amount of fruit and veggies a day. Other mm-hmm. than that, you kind of do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. So I, I actually do think that it's relatively sustainable. Um, I also like the fact that it is a challenge of trying to eat something not mm-hmm. feeling like you're just restricting 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 you're restricting. adding things in instead of cutting them out yeah you're not yeah. just saying you know, like oh i wish i could eat this i wish i could eat that it's like you can if you had your 800 yeah, grams just, yeah just eat your fruit and veggies and like you're good to go um and, and you'll kind of find with that uh very similar to paleo or whole 30 or some of these things where you're you're eating 800 grams of fruit and veggies and all of a sudden you're pretty full you don't have much hunger left for a bunch of other crap outside of that mm-hmm. so um, I definitely think that's something really useful. If Especially people are, when you do 800 grams plus a protein goal. That can, be, that can be very efficient. And both of those are, again, goals that you're reaching towards something, not eliminating things. Yeah. Um, and I was just going to say for people who have no 800 grams, what, what's that, like an apple or whatnot? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's a fair amount. And obviously it depends on exactly the fruit and veggie you're eating. But uh, honestly... It's real easy just to get a simple kitchen scale and weigh your food out. And you can kind of get an idea of exactly how much an apple weighs, exactly how much like, and then it's kind of like when we talked about macros previously, once you get used to it, you can eyeball it. Like this doesn't have to be some exact science that you're a slave to a certain amount of grams, you know, and weighing every single food forever. Um, You can get pretty good at eyeballing it pretty quick, but having the scale to learn it to start is definitely a good a good strategy yeah and for clarification it's 800 grams of fruits and veggies combined not of both oh yeah so i know because someone had asked me that before um and what i like about that is because if you're a person like personally i tend more to lean towards fruit i just love fruit pretty much all fruit i'll eat it whatever um veggies i struggle with finding ones that i actually enjoy eating so for me when i'm doing 800 gram challenge i probably i have a lot more Fruit than I do veggies, but I would it's say okay. mo- most of our weight was probably coming from apples and berries. Apples and berries, yeah, and we would do a lot of carrots and stuff, but um, yeah, carrots, broccoli, mm-hmm. green beans, asparagus. Yeah, so that's a yeah. good one. Um, okay, so one of the other things that um, I've kind of messed around with a little bit is intermittent fasting. Um, <clears throat> I would say I 
kind of sort of do that now. It's not perfect um, because I do like waking out or waking out. Waking out. Waking out, bro. <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even know what that means. I don't know either. Okay. Um, working out at like 6 a.m. Uh, is very, very tough for me to do. And so I, I'm going to be honest, in order to do that, I use pre-workout. Um, not a ton, not a crazy amount of caffeine, maybe 100 to 150 milligrams. Um, but I do that, which is technically you're going to break your fast doing that. And then I do have coffee that has uh, cream in it as well, which is also technically breaking fast before I eat a full meal or anything like that. Um, yeah. But, but I don't, I, I basically eat full meals between like, and it's not even great intermittent fasting, but like 10 AM and 7 PM. So let's explain what, what is intermittent fasting? Because there's a lot of information out there and it can be something as simple as you don't eat past like, you know, 8 p.m. after you had dinner or whatever and then you go to sleep and you know all right when you wake up in the morning and people have breakfast that term is because you're breaking the fast because you've technically been fasting not eating while you've been sleeping so you the idea with intermittent fasting is that you extend that time period so let's say maybe it's 11 a.m 12 p.m before you eat again and then you've been fasting for a longer period of time so, but there are people who fast much longer. Yes. So I would say the most common practice of this is to have an eight hour eating window, a 16 hour fasting window on a daily basis. Whatever your window is for eating, that's totally up to you. If you want to eat from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. Is that right? Didn't you try like a yeah. four hour fasting or eating window at one point? I don't think so. That's really aggressive. Maybe I did that. That you sounds might. like something some, I would do. Yeah. That's more up your alley. Um, can you kind of just touch on real quick? We don't have to go super in depth, but well, I do want to just say that that's most common. But people will do something like even four or two hour um, eating windows, which are obviously much shorter. And then uh, technically, mm-hmm. also as far as intermittent fasting goes, you could do like a twenty four hour fast mm-hmm. one time a week, for example, right. and that would be another type of intermittent fasting. Yeah, so there's just, a just lot for of people different... who hear, there, there's all kinds of things that could be labeled as intermittent fasting. Right. I think the the easiest to implement in a daily lifestyle is something like you do, where you just kind of wait to eat your first meal until like lunch, essentially. Yeah, that's the easiest. But what are the besides just some people do see results with intermittent fasting as far as weight loss and body composition because of well, let's be honest, That's it's an, another way to restrict your calories. Yeah, so that's definitely the big thing you're going to get. Obviously, if you have a limited time throughout the day where you can eat, uh, I mean, obviously you can use that time to pig out, but if you have a limited time, um, you're going to fill up during that time and you're only going to be, be able to really eat so much. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I would say that the reasons that I'm personally a little more interested into it is just... N- basically allowing the body to not constantly be in a state of digestion and dealing with blood sugar and basically allowing the body to have extended periods of time where it can it can take resources to recovering other areas and and focus on other areas of your health so if you're constantly constantly eating food um, the the body is going to constantly be using resources, energy, all that stuff to digest that food, to store that food, to utilize that food, um, and it leaves 
less resources and, and time for the body to do things to accomplish other tasks, whether that's um, restoring brain health, decreasing inflammation, you know. That's why a lot of that stuff happens when you're sleeping. Yes, yeah. correct. Um, so that's kind of the reason I'm, I'm more interested into it, more of a, a health and longevity standpoint um, than necessarily a calorie restriction, but that's definitely a part of it. I would also say that cautionarily from from what I've seen is that pre-menopausal women uh, don't seem to respond hormonally as well to this. So it's definitely something I would proceed with caution. Yep. I was going to make sure we touch on that. Okay. I mean, it's very important for, I mean, you can try it. You know, if you're a woman, you know, pre-menopausal, you can try it. I mean, it's something that some of my clients even do. Um, but my cautions are, you know, whenever you do something like workout or, um, you know, put your body in a sense of state of like, I'm not getting food, um, for a long period of time. Sometimes you can spike your, you know, your body kind of goes into this fight or flight almost and your cortisol can be spiked. And if you already have a very stressful job, stressful life, um, a lot of other things going on, then your cortisol being elevated, all the time is not a great thing and that can start to cause other issues. So just on a very basic level, you know, maybe we can go into it more depth in a different podcast, but you know, you can try it, but I'm not a fan of intermittent fasting for premenopausal women. I, especially if you're working out first thing in the morning, you know, I'd rather you be eating something, an apple, a banana, um, you know, just to kind of tell your body, Hey, I'm safe. I'm okay. I'm getting food. You know, I can continue to do these processes as normal and not be in this super stressed out state. You know, um, that's just my thoughts on it. But again, all these things, I think every person's body is just so different. You know what I mean? And it, it could work for one person. And Totally, totally. Yeah. And, and there's ways to track if things are working for you. Like you can get blood work done. Yeah. Like you can get, you can get your cortisol done. levels tested. Yeah. yeah, you can get these things tested. You can try a diet or whatever and get them tested on the diet and have a measure of what changed for for better or for worse. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Next thing um, and kind of the last two uh, macro counting. So <clears throat> this is what pretty much all my clients do. This is what I do now um, when I am tracking. But this is essentially, you know, and it doesn't really matter if you are. You know, trying to lose weight, trying to maintain, trying to gain, but it's a way of making sure that you're eating the proper amount of food, so calories and protein, and then from there you can also go into you know carbs and fat. So well, that'd be like full full macros. That's full macros, right? So you know that I think is very effective. Um, downsides of it are that some people are triggered by tracking. I know myself included, so sometimes I have to take a break from tracking. Do you think that? tracking macros is a long-term sustainable thing i think that everybody needs to get to a point should try to get to a point where they can eat in maintenance without tracking yeah intuitive eating which we're gonna talk about in a second (laughs) (laughs) spoiler alert spoiler alert yeah gosh i think that needs to be everybody's goal because I mean, I, I don't see why anybody would want to be tracking every piece of food that goes into their mouth the rest of their lives. That's just not a fun way to live. Yeah, I, I think there's definitely a level of stress and anxiety and 
honestly just logistical difficulty that comes with that too yeah 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 and it kind of promotes this all or nothing mentality you know of like oh if i didn't hit my macros today i'll shoot like you know the day's ruined i might as well go you know binge or just like give up you know and so it's you're not learning how to kind of ebb and flow with the changes that happen you know throughout the day or the week or whatever so and i would say kind of like we talked about with the scale and tracking 800 grams you start once you've tracked macros for a little bit you know maybe it's different for each person but a couple months of tracking macros you you get pretty decent at kind of guesstimating and you, mm-hmm. you kind of know what a quote-unquote good day of eating is yeah. now I, I, again i don't really think there's good and bad days of eating you know we don't we don't need to get into that yeah. rabbit hole or anything but you know what a day of eating where you hit your target macros looks like and feels like Mm -hmm. and you can do it with a margin of error relatively intuitively you don't have to track forever yeah yeah okay and then the last one is just intuitive eating which you know there's a lot out there about i've seen a lot especially on instagram like intuitive eating coaches and all these things and i think that's wonderful that we're trying to teach people how to be in tune with their bodies and what you feel like you need and be in tune with your hunger signals and I think again like I said that should be everybody's goal but there I definitely think that it's a process to learn you know sometimes I feel like eating 15 Oreos but maybe that's not what I should be eating in that moment um, but intuitive eating is not just you know oh what do I feel like eating it's more of really trying to be in tune with your body what you need what makes you feel the best um, makes you feel like you have energy, you know, that kind of thing. So, well, and just understanding your own hunger singles, yeah. signals, am I actually hungry or am I wanting Oreos because I had a rough day and Oreos feel good. Yeah. You know, exactly. <clears throat> that doesn't necessarily mean you're actually hungry for food. Yeah. Um, I would say the other interesting part about intuitive eating, and I just thought of it from, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with this, but with kind of talking about weighing food and we, we've had some conversation about you know oh it's really hard to overeat if you're eating actual food if you're eating chicken if you're eating this if you're eating that um, veggies fruits uh, one of the things I've kind of found is that in general to make you feel full is usually a certain weight of food mm. so yeah so something like a chicken breast and an apple and that like you start to get to a weight very quickly with not necessarily a ton of calories and you're also getting really good nutrients. Mm-hmm. So that, denser food basically. Yeah. So that same weight, if you were to put that in Oreos, I mean, how many Oreos do you have to weigh to equal the weight of a chicken breast? Yeah. It's going to be a lot. Or potato chips. Think about that because how, how quickly chips. could you go through an entire bag of chips? Yeah, totally. And you're talking about exponentially more calories and you're talking about exponentially less vitamins, minerals, nutrients, things like that. Yeah. Um, so I think that plays into the intuitive eating because you'll feel full. And if you listen to your hunger signals, eating real food, it, it works pretty well mm-hmm. without a whole lot of extra, you know, yeah, that's yeah. what you, I feel like you've been kind of doing the intuitive eating thing like pretty much your whole life. I mean, except for these small periods where you've tried different things and now you kind of do intermittent fasting. But I think that's more just for, because you're a lifestyle, yeah. um, and you don't really have time to make breakfast and all that stuff. Um, but I feel like you found a lot of success with it. And like you were saying on one of our other podcasts, you know, if you're kind of, mm, yeah, I haven't been quite as 
on point with my nutrition. I can kind of tell, do the mirror check, you know. Yeah, or what that looks like is not being tied to, oh, I have to eat this for breakfast, this for lunch, this for dinner. And like, let's say I had a really big lunch. It maybe doesn't mean you have nothing for dinner or like, oh, I can't eat dinner, blah, blah, blah. It's like, if you're still not hungry, just don't eat. I mean, I, you don't want to, you know what I mean? Or, I'm laughing because, or eat lightly. I'm laughing because I remember when, on one of the first road trips we ever went on together, mm-hmm. um, you know, road trip snacks are like my jam. And your jam too, for sure. I think everybody likes road trip snacks. However, I just, I just want to say, I don't know where you're going with this. Okay, we'll see. So... <laughs> We were on this road trip and you made a comment because I think I brought up like getting lunch or dinner or something and you're like, well, I'm not really that hungry because we've just been sitting in the car all day, haven't really done anything. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, it's dinner time. We should have dinner. And you're like, yeah, but I haven't, like, I'm just not hungry because I just haven't, I've been sitting in a car all day. And I was like, yeah, but it's like, it's dinner. Like, So <laughs> that was really mind blowing to me in the beginning because it really showed that you are so in tune with, I mean, and yes, do we snack sometimes when we're not hungry? Oh, of course. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. But you were just like, I don't need to go eat a whole meal because I'm literally not hungry. Which <laughs> meant we probably had some light snacks or something, but we didn't necessarily go get a full meal or whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, I wanted the snacks and <clears throat> the Taco Bell or whatever we were going to have. <laughs> I didn't want Taco Bell. Don't lie to the people. <laughs> I was just trying to change it up. But I do, I do just want to clarify that that doesn't mean like, oh, I ate a big meal. Let me freak out and specifically be like, oh, now I can't eat for X amount of time. Yeah. It just means if you ate a big meal and you're still full, don't feel pressure to eat or to not eat. Yeah. Just listen to the fact that you're full. Yeah. The you end. don't have to eat at <laughs> noon for lunch. You don't have to eat 6 p.m. at dinner. Like you don't have to if you're not hungry. Oh, man, we're going to keep going. Um, (laughs) I can just see it in your eyes or so many things you want to say. um, No, I was just going to say, though, that I would highly encourage people to get on a predominantly real foods diet before intuitively eating. Because if you're someone who eats a lot of processed foods, a lot of high sugar foods, those foods are going to not keep you full very long they're going to make you want to eat more and they're not accurate reflections of your hunger signals so that is not like this is not say go intuitively eat with ritz crackers oreos goldfish and coca-cola yeah that just my diet for the first trimester of pregnancy to call me out right there (laughs) (laughs) anyways everything's not about you (laughs) what do you mean um, yeah, that, that, that's a recipe for disaster though. So intuitive eating and honestly, if you go f- immediately from a diet to that, if you switch to intuitive eating along with like eating real foods, you might find some weird scenarios where maybe you're not sure if you're hungry or, yeah. or things are kind of out of whack. Yeah. So I just want to put that out there as far as, you know, that really applies once you, once you really have an idea of how different foods affect your body and, and understanding that like these sugary processed foods do not keep you full. So you're going, you're going to have hunger signals um, excessively if you're eating those. Also, even if you don't have the hunger signals, these foods are designed to be addictive. True. There's a reason why it's extremely hard to eat two Oreos or 10 goldfish. 
Like yeah. they're literally, they're just. I mean, they're, they're made in like a scientific they're lab. They're made in a lab to be extremely palatable and to be addictive. So that's you other got some thing. smart nerds with a lot of money working on these things. So. Yes, I mean, if you guys have had a potato chip that tastes like a cheeseburger, that shouldn't be allowed. They taste just like a cheeseburger. <laughs> How do they get the burger and the ketchup flavor? I mean, I don't know, but I just know that it's not right. And on that note. <laughs> on that note, this is the longest podcast ever. I'm so sorry. Probably a two-parter. Two-parter? Yeah. We'll see if I can figure out how to do that. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you for joining us today. If you guys have any questions or just want to continue the conversation, head over to our Instagram page at Simple Not Easy Show, and we will talk to you soon.